Okay, everybody, we have a big announcement. I am going to do the intro today. My partner, Andrew Krauss, you see him over there. But today, I get to do it. All right, this is Stephen Key and Andrew Krauss. We're, going to, we're live on LinkedIn Q&A. We're going to talk about how we can help you license your brilliance. How can we help? We're going to talk about how we help, how we can help you license your ideas to companies that are looking for ideas. That, what's really great about this segment, I know a lot of people that are, that are watching maybe have an idea that you're not quite sure what to do, or maybe you're not quite sure who to listen to. And I'm here to tell you that Andrew and I have been doing this for over 23 years. And we've been helping people in 65 different countries. We even help big companies, small com companies, governments. And if you want to see the results of the help that we provide, please go to inventright.com and tap the testimonial. Or better yet, look at the products from our members at InventRight that are for sale. Yeah, there's a button right there called Inventions for Sale. And you can see a bunch of it's not by any means all our students, but are students that have some products on the market and it's a lot of them and that's just something we threw together for the holidays and we kind of decided to keep it up there um well you're not going to see you know like we had a student did a really big deal Stephen, with a medical device we're not putting that up there because nobody's buying that medical device it's not a consumer link you know what i mean yeah there's some things we can't put up there because um those products or maybe those licensing deals or the relationship is under an NDA, NDA. Companies don't want to know that that inventor came up with this idea. So we understand that. Okay. Yeah. But I guess the point I'm making is this. It's not what you do, it's what you say. And there's a lot of people out there talking about this, which is wonderful, but make sure they have some social proof. Make sure whatever they're telling you, they can show you the information they're providing is having some impact a little bit. Right. And if they cannot show that, question the information they're providing you. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. There's there's my show the success. Show me the money. You, gotta, you know, Andrew, you got to show a little bit or why? Why would you listen to someone that cannot show the information they're providing has had a difference? Right. I, I don't understand that there's a lot of. I'm not going to name who it is out there, you guys. You're just not going to do it. But there's a lot of sites out there, people claiming they're helping inventors. But when you go to the site, there's nothing there that shows they've helped at all. Yeah. It's a little bit hollow. So just be careful, you guys. That's all I'm saying. So anyway. Yeah. And what you know what I love about what we do, we, we talk about this fairly frequently, Stephen, is we keep things up to date. We're right on top of oh. it. You know, because when we have we have so many students all the time and and we have coaches that are in the game licensing their products you know it's uh we're on top of it with any new techniques and things like i joke you know that back 23 years ago we were <laughs> we were having them go to kinko's and print up their sell sheet and mail it and the big thing was oh should i send it fedex or regular mail and then people would be like you know can i fax it and i'd be like eh, it's gonna be black and white it's not gonna look that good that's how long we've been doing this it's ridiculous well, you know, how long we've been it's doing are we still telling just, people to do that? Hell no. no of course not. <laughs> I'm really glad you mentioned that too, because I'll call someone that reaches out to us and they're very passionate. They have the desire. They want to see their idea come to market. I love it. But the minute I realized that they're fairly new at this, they're not even on LinkedIn. You realize 
to be in this world of contacting companies, building relationships, LinkedIn is a very powerful platform. There's 750 million people out there. Now you have to reach out correctly and you have to do some things yeah. that we've been teaching. But when I, when I, sometimes when I talk to people and they're not on LinkedIn and they, they, maybe they don't have the latest information of how to do this, I always go, all right, let's back up, back up. Let's go slow. Let's get some good information. Watch our YouTube videos, maybe read a couple books, here's a couple articles, but educate yourself before you do anything first. Well, yeah, you're kind of speaking to the converted, Stephen. I mean, we have some people watching on Facebook, but most people are on this LinkedIn live stream and uh, they're obviously on LinkedIn. Now, just because they're on LinkedIn, does that mean they're doing the right things to reach out to companies? Are they reaching out at all? Doesn't, but they they made the first step. They are on LinkedIn. And there are people out there that are like, and hey, I'm one of them. Um, I don't like social media. It's a lot of BS, right? Like people arguing and uh, politics and showing what they ate for dinner. But that's not that's not what LinkedIn is. So, well, Andrew, so that's people, always, wait, 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 wait. There's still arguments on LinkedIn. There's still, yeah, yeah, okay. But it's not I like mean, Facebook. I mean, I, we get this occasionally. Someone wants to hijack the thread and they want to kind of, I don't know, poke you or they they want to start kind of a fight or something we see it occasionally we don't see it that often but there's yeah. there's always a few of those out there and and it's kind of entertaining to tell you the truth and it's a little distracting too kind of it's almost like you know it's kind of a waste of time kind of but you have to you know we're aware of it and we try to answer everybody's question but for those out there that like to i don't like to poke people we're we're, we're not we're not the poking type. So. No, no, we, we like to keep things really positive. But I'm going to poke today, man. I'm going to poke, poke, poke today, Andrew. Okay, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather just be positive and help you. I'm not, I'm not going um, to. Okay, no rant, got it. No rant today. No rant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so um, people are starting to type stuff in. Rick, Hector, Teresa, John, Paul, yeah, Scott, Met, Miss, Miss Hawk. I want to um, let's start this conversation off of the trade show that just happened in Chicago. Yeah, sure. Let's start it off there because that's kind of current. And I want to talk about how is this going to benefit our audience, Stephen? Before you tell them, tell them why it's going to benefit them. I'm just why this is important, you guys. Okay. This particular it. topic that we're having today, we're going to cover a lot of different things. But the first thing we're going to talk about is trade shows. Why is it important? Why should you go? Do you need to go? Do you need to meet companies? Is it a you know, they're expensive. Sure. How should you work a show? So oh, wow. are you going to cover all that? I'm going to do it wow. real quick, you guys. And, and it's really kind of interesting. There was a big show called the Inspire. What is it called? It, it used to be called the Houseware Show. Now it's called the Inspire Home Show. I think it's a ridiculous change. Houseware Show is great. Inspire Home Show now. Okay. It's the same thing. It's in Chicago. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's one of my favorite shows. I think it's one of your favorites. Too. It's my favorite. It's absolutely my favorite okay. show. And what's really great, it's in Chicago. So Andrew actually has to fly someplace to go there. I know, it sucks. That's that's the only thing I like about that show. Because I live in Henderson, Nevada, which is right next to Vegas. So I go to a trade show. It's like a 25-minute drive of Chicago. Like, And you'll talk about that. I got to fly, get a hotel. When you told me it was your favorite show, I'm thinking, really? I mean, it looks like 10 minutes away from the convention center. I love when you told me that. It's like, I told you what. It must be a really good show for you to do all that work. Right, right. Yeah, it is. Well, but, you know, it's all relative. I mean, if you got automotive aftermarket products, the Inspired Home Show, the Houser Show, you know, that's more like 
you got a kitchen cutting board, you got a garlic peeler, you got this, you got that stuff for the home. So a good show is all relevant to the type of products you're right. working on. But okay, let's talk about this. Go, we love it. Let's talk about this topic real good. Our team at InventRight was there. Dana Knowles was there. Meeting companies. She's there representing us at InventRight, finding companies that want ideas. That's what she's there for. She's there knocking on their door. Are you an open innovation company? Can we bring you in on our program called Bridging the Gap so those companies can meet our members? So that's why she's right. there. But we have a lot of students that are there. Yeah. They're there to work the show to find companies they want to pitch their ideas to. And they're very good at it. They're getting really, really good at that. They're knocking on the doors of those companies. They're they're doing everything right to get those deals. And wait, we wait, wait, wait. There's, there's the no door. You just walk up to the booth. There's no well, door. Well, there's a door. There, well, there's, there's a, no door. There's a door well, to get in the convention. There's an center. invisible the door, door in the booth. But, <laughs> but, but what I really like about it, we had so many of our members having their products being displayed. Yeah, yeah it was really cool. It was really great to see. But I want to call out one company that we absolutely love is Grand Fusion. Grand Fusion is not the biggest company, it's not the smallest company, but it's a company that's easy to get to, easy to pitch your ideas to. They're looking at a wide range, and when they license your idea, they put your picture in the booth, on the package, on the internet, they celebrate inventors. That's pretty rare. Some of the bigger companies out there, uh, they don't even want to, make a note of who you are wait, wait, you know but hey but your name's going to be on the check with the really really big guys still still name still on your check that's probably good enough well, for a lot of folks. well don't get me wrong right i don't need for them to put my name on the package right, right. it's still but unusual it's yeah. unusual and i have to celebrate those guys to do that but some of the larger guys first of all the larger companies don't license much we've said that a million times wait wait wait, wait 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 you, you always say that. I always like to say the megacorps don't, but large will license all day long. So I always differentiate small, medium, large, and then and then megacorp, you know? So I, I, I but you have to, I when know. you just say large, our do deals with large companies all the time, Stephen. So I know, but large. I, I know, but they're a pain. They're a pain. I like the mid-sized guys. But, I like but the guys that I like. Okay. But mid-size, they're still in a Walmart or a Lowe's or a Home Depot. Oh, yeah, they're mid yes, okay, yeah, they so still that's, are. To me, that's large. Like if well, they, it, you know. it's not these big companies that have been around for 20, 30 years. Their attitude is a little slow. They don't. They're not that innovative. They don't take a lot of risk. They have a lot I, of I, can, I can mention some names. You want me I don't want to. No, names? don't mention them. Don't mention the names. If anybody really right. wants the names of those companies, email me privately. I'll tell you the names. Okay. But the point I'm saying is. I like those mid-sized guys. Yeah. They're they're like, God, thank you, and let's do it. And they put their energy behind it and they work hard for you. The big guys, you're one out of one out of twelve thousand SKUs. Well, now, but yeah, yeah, that, that is that is true. But we had um one of our coaches licensed a product to a company, and they have over ten thousand products. And and the mar the manager that manages new products very personable really works with, but and, and but that you know it's not true of all companies that large with ten well, thousand products you know so, no it's not true not, Andrew yeah, and, and let me true. be let me let me be really clear a mid sized company like you said still has great distribution but they're hungrier they're a little bit hungrier yeah 
and the, the larger guys are just a little bit slower. Yeah, they're, they're like the they're maybe like the number two or number three, and and everybody wants to go for the number one, and we're like, great, reach out to them, but reach out to the number two and the well, number three, and. I want to also say that the smaller companies like Grand Fusion has won two years in a row. Well, what do they win? Go ahead. They won awards at the show for most innovative products from us inventors. So, yeah. so yeah, those big guys are out there, but are they winning awards? Well, and, and last year was Talia, who is a former InventRight student. Every almost everybody, guys. I don't know if you guys know this at InventRight are former InventRight students. That's how much people believe in what we're doing. Um, and, and so I think that's really cool. And so Talia was a former student. She worked as a customer service manager for us for quite some time. She's since moved on. But her product, she licensed to Grand Fusion, and it won the International Housewares Award. Was it last yes. year or the year before? Last, last year. year. And last she year. turned yeah. down an opportunity with the bigger company. She turned them down. Yeah. All right, so let's go on. To, okay, we covered that one. So work a show. Here's the last thing I want to say, you guys. If you want to license your product idea, if you're not manufacturing, you have a prototype and you want to license, don't buy a booth. Yeah. No one is going to discover you. No potential licensee is going to walk by and see you. You have to hunt them down. You have to walk the show, knock on, knock on those invisible doors, get in the booth, make a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you be in a booth? They're in the booths. You want to I visit their booths. You're I, like, I, 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 you might as well go sit on a toilet in the bathroom at the trade show. It'll be I, just as effective as sitting in your booth. I, okay, I I'm exaggerating to make a point. I think it's ridiculous when I see, you know what it is, Andrew? They they just don't know any better. They they don't know that you got to work it. You got to work it. You got to walk it, make connections, meet these companies, turn these potential licensees into clients. That's what you want to do. But to think that I'm going to sit there at my booth and someone's going to walk by and magically discover me, I, I, I think you're going to be disappointed. But here's here's the caveat here. If you're manufacturing, yeah, right? Sure, it's different. Then, you're, you're not licensing. You're going to make it and sell it yourself. Yeah. You and the other thing, too, if you have a prototype and you're trying to license it and you're showing a prototype to the world, I don't think that's a good idea either. That's why... Meeting a company, maybe do it privately. In fact, we had one of our members had a privacy like little thing he could put that around. Was, that was a trip. Man. I was like, I never heard anybody doing that before. I've never heard that before. Well, explain what he was doing. Was well, he he was wondering. He had his product with him. Yeah. And he wanted to show a couple of companies that have shown interest. He wanted to show them the real thing. A show. And he said to me, Steve, can I just open it up in the middle of the aisle? I go, that's not a good idea. So well, how do I show it? I go, well, sometimes they have a little booth or a little area. He said, no, no, I, I'm going to bring a privacy screen. I can put it it's on a little, little booth. It's like yeah, a little yeah, pop-up yeah. booth thing. I, I didn't see it. Did you actually see a picture? No, of but no. Okay, but, I, I just heard about it. Anyway. But anyway, right. so one of the, one of the, and we've, we've shared this many times before, and then we'll move on from the trade show stuff, is you could go to the show. If you said, I want to be in housewares. You could not have a product to show right now and you could benefit huge from going to the show. So if you're walking around the houseware show and you're just asking if they're open to licensing products from independent inventors or product developers and you get their card, the thing is you get their card and you figure out who the right person is. You can do that with a lot of companies at the show. They're there to sell, not to buy. And you need to, if they're talking to buyers, like retail buyers, and you're trying to pull them away, 
you're doing it wrong. That's not cool. If you wait for a, a time where there's nobody in the booth, you go up, talk to them very brief, ask them they're open to licensing ideas, ask them who the right person is. Maybe you get that card. Maybe they're there. Maybe they're not. And you follow up with them later. You did a great job. Now, are there instances where it's okay to uh, show them something on your iPad? Um, maybe show the product as long as other people can't see it. Maybe. But you made the connection to think that you're going to go there and pitch. They're there to sell, not to buy. They're trying to sell to retailers. And they paid a lot of money for that booth. And now you're taking up all their time and talking to them for 30 minutes. You know, if they're up for it and they just they don't seem like they, they want to do it, okay. But you really want to get in and get out. And it very well may be you not showing your product at all and you'll follow up with them. You know, and realize, too, when they come back from the show, they're trying to follow up with their leads with the retailers. They might not get back to you right away. you got to give them a little bit of time. Yeah, Andrew, two things I want to add to that real quick. Number one, don't leave your sales sheet. Do not do that. Number two, don't expect them to call you. Get their card. Oh, hell no. They're not calling you. They're losing your card. They're, and that's not insulting. It's not like they didn't care. They talked to so many people at the show. So giving them your card is just a nicety. You want to get their freaking card and you want to figure out who the person is. And your list, Hans, I want to uh, highlight Celeste's question. I want to talk about chat. Oh, GPT. I forgot all about the highlighting. This is I fancy. want to talk this about chat G GPT for a minute. There we go. Celeste, how you doing? I know we haven't connected in a while. I know you're really busy. I want to talk about this guy. I want to talk about AI and, mm -hmm. and I want to talk about how I think we can use this. Right. In fact, I'm going to be writing an article as an inventor. How do I use AI? Wait, wait, Stephen, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. What, what AI, chat GBT, what's that? Everybody knows what it is, Andrew. Maybe if you're under a rock, you don't know. Everybody oh, okay, knows. all right, I know what you're talking about. Everybody knows. Yeah, you kind of, you kind of, and if you, people, some people are listening, they're like, what's that? Well, maybe they're just, so well, maybe they'll they find out, but it's the latest yeah, tools to help anybody and everybody, especially creative people. But I will tell you this, I am going to break it down as an inventor, how to use these tools to get exactly how to achieve your goals. I'm gonna put that down. Now, trust me, it's not gonna be perfect. It's still a lot of research, but it's a way to compile stuff. And I'll give you an example. If, well, number one, if I wanna understand an industry very quickly, quickly, a snapshot, I could very quickly type in the right words and get all the companies within a particular category or industry. Now, it's not perfect, right? And some of that information won't tell you if it's an inventor-friendly company or a company that doesn't want to see you, but you can get a list pretty fast. Now, trust me, I can get a list by going to the directory of a trade show and get the list too, right? But it is a faster way of compiling that, but you still have to do some work. Also, if I want to, and then here's the thing I'm going to test next, prior patents. Oh, geez. I'm going to start using that as a search tool to see if it can help with prior patents or maybe similar products on the market. But realize the information with ChatGPT, it's a couple years old. It's not current. So it's got certain problems. I'm also going to talk about creating a product from scratch, but just putting in text and creating something magical you got to be careful because you got to make it private. And it's not perfect. So all this stuff, Celeste, it's not perfect yet. I don't think it will ever will be. But, boy, talk about speeding it up a little bit for us. I think it's great.
Here, here's one thing, my take on it, it will give everybody a frame of reference, and this is the disclaimer. If, if you guys are an expert in anything, ask it to search for something or to do something in an area, you're already an expert. So let's say you're an expert at making pancakes or working on cars, a certain type of car or something like that. But when Steven and I entered stuff for licensing, like, and we asked questions, like it gives some really good info, but it gives some messed up, like, oh my God, somebody that wasn't an expert in this area would get some incredibly bad misinformation. But, oh my God, this other stuff was really great. So here's the risk. When you're not an expert in the field, you could, don't take it as a fact. It's a, it's a jumping off point to do more research because it'll give you some really bad information. It did that for us with licensing and we know what we're talking about, but here's the risk. If you don't know what you're talking about in an area and you think it's accurate, you don't know what's good and what's not. So always do some more research. So it's a great tool, but realize it's it could be very inaccurate with pieces of it. Yeah, just realize it's pulling information on the internet and that everything on the internet is accurate. That too, yeah. Yeah, no, really? But it sounds, wait, here's the catch, Andrew. It sounds very accurate. That's the other that's the other warning. It's so well done and so well put together. It reads like an article that's been done just for you, but it's it's got pieces that are really, really off sometimes. I think you can use it for one-line benefit statements. I think you can use it for searching. I think you can use it for information you're trying to gather. I, I think it's just a tool of gathering stuff a little quicker. So, Celeste, thank you for that question. Great. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see what else we got here. This one is from uh, Teresa. She said, I love the mug. Now, this is a classic. This will never be. This is our old <laughs> colors with the green and the black instead of the blue and the black. I, I, so I think only Stephen and I and a couple people have this color. I don't think I have any mug. Why don't I have a mug somewhere? Now, Stephen, the, the mug, I don't know where yours is, but the mugs are available in our membership site, Stephen. I don't know if they're publicly available on inventright.com. I don't think they are. I don't have any mug. I thought I we had don't have mugs. These, we have different mugs. Anyway. I used to mugs. Thank you, Teresa. Uh, Teresa's a member, so she could, she could, you could go in there. We have some like uh, coffee tumblers. I don't know how, I've never, I didn't ask James how many people are ordering those, but we do have them. We, 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 we really intend on doing some swag. We had some coaches that because we didn't have like t-shirts and stuff, they like made their own. We, we uh, have one, Andrew, that says, ask me anything yeah. on Monday on our YouTube channel. Yeah. Oh, oh, I need to have that one. Okay. All right. Um, okay. So let's get, let's get to some serious questions here. John says, what questions should I expect to get from potential companies? And what do I absolutely need to be able to answer? Well, that's a big, we can't answer all that, but we can cover a few things. I mean, <laughs> um, well, what are you doing to me? Man? Go ahead. I can tell you want to answer this. You're like, I want to answer this. It's mine. Andrew, I, I think there's going to be five questions maybe more, maybe a little bit less, that they're always going to ask. Now, okay. now maybe they might be a little bit different, depends on the category of the industry, but there's really five big ones. And how you answer those questions correctly and with confidence is going to determine if you go to the next stage. Okay, I'm going to stop you real quick. Do you always have to answer it on the spot? Because I know what you're going to say. Well, I haven't finished yet. Okay, good. Right. Also realize that if you don't have the answer, 
right? You can also say, look, I need to get back to you on that. Don't ever try to fib it, don't do that. But also realize they're going to ask all these questions, but you can flip it. Andrew talks about flipping it a little bit and asking a little bit about them because you have to realize they're interviewing you as much as your product and you're interviewing them. Yeah. And and sometimes we don't look at it that way. Uh, And you need to. I mean, that, that, I mean, just so I love that you went big, Stephen. I always like to go there. The biggest thing you need to know, I can give you, we could give you specific stuff, John. The biggest thing you need to know is when you talk to a company that's showing interest, you're asking at least half the questions. And if you're not, you're doing it wrong. And that's not what most inventors do. Our students try not to do that, but they, we got a negotiation coach and they got their coach and we're like, and they're just like, oh, they said this, I got to answer this and this and this. It's like, no, that's not the way we're rolling here. You, you, you oh. got to kind of, oh, this one, you're going to half answer and take them this direction and that direction. They will not take you down a path to doing a deal with them unless it's just the most amazing thing in the world, unless you do and say the right things. Yeah, Andrew, the other thing, too, that if you do enough homework on who you're going to have a meeting with, who's in the meeting, what their title is, the company, your answers are going to be different. Sure. Right? Because if, if you're a company and you realize that maybe something's important to them, then maybe you prepare a little differently. If you've got a marketing person on there, they're going to have different types of questions. So, John... It's, it's a great question, but you can't just say, here are the five questions they're going to ask. You know, I try to do that, but I can tell you, they're going to be interested, big picture-wise. They're going to be inter- interested in intellectual property, what you've done, and you want to know from them how important it is to them. Okay. They're also going to know big picture. Do you have a working prototype, proof of concept? Have you sold any? Okay. Now, prototypes, far, you know, they range. Does that have to be a works like? Can it be a Frankenstein? What are you going to use it for? Those are other bigger questions. Also, depends on the industry. Some industries require it. Some don't. Right? So that's why you have to look at every industry. They might ask you, you know, do you have any samples? Can you send me one? They might ask all these questions. And just because they ask these, it doesn't mean you're going to deliver them either. Right. And, and you're explaining that too. Because well, yeah, you know, especially on that one with the prototype. I would say at least 75% of the time when a company is asking for a prototype, we can guide the student, or we call our member students, member students, whatever you want to call them, to um, answer, to ask some questions and give them the information they need. And the inventor totally thought, well, they said they needed a prototype, but you're giving them these, you're asking a few questions, giving them some answers. And they're like, we're good. And what they'll usually do is then go off usually to Asia, get some quotes or wherever they're getting manufactured and give them that information and make sure it can be made and made at a reasonable price. And the inventor's like, holy crap, like I thought I was going to have to go out and spend three grand on this prototype. You guys got me going here. It's you know what it is, Andrew. Who who do you want to control the conversation? Do you want them to control it? Or do you want to have enough knowledge where you're going to guide it? You're, you are. I don't I don't like the word control, but I like the word guide. You use both. And so if you let them guide you, you will 
you will really reduce your chances. I know, but Andrew, come on, let's let's talk about what this thing's. Let's get down to it, you guys. Get down to it. Yeah, I like if, it. If if you're dealing with a company, if you've never done this before, you're going to lose. I just said it. I said it. You're going to lose. I don't care how great your idea is; they're going to take advantage of you because you don't know how to navigate it. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to be t terrible, but 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 if you're but if if you're going into war, I hate to say it's war or battle or competition, whatever it is, you want to be prepared. Well, I'll take it a step further. You're saying if if you don't if you don't know what you're doing, you won't get a good deal. But I'll go even further. I'll say if you don't know what you're doing, you You'll won't lose get it. a deal. I know it I know. will probably not happen. It's not. Steve's not implying that they'll, they'll go steal your idea. We haven't had no, that. No, but you know, what he's implying is you won't get as good of a deal. But I'll go even further. Like you don't do the right things and you don't guide it, guide the conversation. Um, you won't get a deal. It will fall through. It'll fizzle out. It doesn't but like me, crash. Usually it like fizzles out. Let's talk about why that is. Let's talk about yeah. why that is, because are we excited about day. this topic, Stephen? Do you think? Well, no, there was a day. I, I always thought, excited. Go ahead. I love this topic. I, I, I love it because when I first started out, all I thought was what was the most important thing was my idea. Mm. I thought my idea, it doesn't matter if I'm knowledgeable or I don't know what I'm doing. My idea was all that mattered. And what I realized, that is absolutely not true. And I'll tell you the reason why. Those companies, when they bring you into their world, their job is not to teach you. Their job is not to educate you. Their job is not to hold your hand. Their job is not to take every every call you have with every little question. That costs them money. Yeah. They're looking for someone that is an asset. They're looking for someone that understands their business, that cares about them being successful. They're looking for someone that understands it's a relationship. They're looking for someone that's not all about me, 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 me. Because we have a tendency as inventors, we're passionate, we love our ideas, but we're not listening. And we're not learning how to work within their world. They don't have to work within ours. We yeah. have to work within theirs. So what yeah. happens is these companies get a little frustrated with us. We send them ideas that they can find within seconds on Google. We send them ideas that just don't fit. We send them, you send them ideas and your royalty rates are way out of line. And, they, and so what happens is they just kind of, they just don't respond. And you're wondering, what did I do? Mm -hmm. Right. And you're, and you're thinking, well, they didn't like the idea. They might have loved the idea, but they didn't like you. Mm -hmm. Right. And I hate to say it that way. That's why you have to. You're in a if you're playing in a professional world, you have to be a professional. I, I love it. So what you're saying to you is sometimes, you know, the, if the inventor doesn't know what they're doing, that can that can hurt your chances of doing a deal. But I will say something that is equally important. That's kind of in the same realm. It shocks people. Sometimes they don't know what they're doing. So, okay. And that shocks inventors. They're like, well, I can't tell this big company what to do. Yes, you can guide them. And if you do it, we can do it all the time because we guided the inventor to guide them. So I'll give you just some random examples. Um, marketing manager. He's been with the company two years. Um, let's say a year. Okay. Company's done eight licensing deals with inventors. He's never done a licensing deal. But what's important, why is your Superman is he likes your product. He saw the sales. He likes your product. That's great. Okay. But he doesn't know how to move a licensing deal forward. He's never done one. Company's done eight. And he's like asking you stupid questions like, send me your patent. It's like, 
what, what the hell does that matter? You know, and so, but people will go, oh, well, they know this is the big problem. Well, they, people you, assume that I that mean, guy knows what he's doing. And sometimes he does. A lot of times he does. A lot of times he doesn't. And inventors don't know how to identify well, a, a marketing manager that sees a product and knows what they're doing as opposed to one that doesn't. But we do. We can go, oh, this is where we're at with this guy. This is how we're going to handle it. Well, here's the other thing, too. If you present your idea in such a way that you make it easy for them to make decisions, if you present it in such a way that that marketing manager can sell it upstream up to their boss, if you make it in such a way that you've just made their life easy, yeah. right? Okay. Because to them, an idea is an idea. I could take this one. I could take this. I mean, Right? They have a lot of choices between yours and 10 other ideas. Okay, but if you can present it in such a way that's easy to understand, you've done your homework, has a clear point of difference, you found good intellectual property, you understand clearly what the customer needs, you understand that you've, you've presented an idea that fits within their price range, right? You've done all these things right, so when they get it, they're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. I can go home at 5 o'clock because you guys did a good job. That's where you need to be. Yeah, great advice. Whoa. I pat ourselves on the back. We did a good job with that one. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're all about helping you guys. Um, let's see what else we got here. We're just we're just joking, guys. I think you got to have uh, some self-deprecating humor once in a while, right? If that's the right word. Um, okay, so thank you, John, so much. We really went off a tangent. Uh, I hope that I... <laughs> You could tell me if it was helpful, but I, I thought it was great. We I, never go off a tangent. What do you mean, Andrew? We never go. We never do that. Um, okay, let's see what we got here. I haven't even read this one yet. It's a long one. Let's see. Uh, I love that we can put these up on the screen now. I do too. Hey guys, I, I know you often speak about reaching out to potential licensees, licensing companies via LinkedIn. So my question is, what if your current career and profile has absolutely nothing to do with, okay, we get this question all the time, has nothing to do with the product you've created or trying to license? Do, and then did it cut it off? Let's see. I got to unhide it to see the rest of it. Do people create two separate LinkedIn accounts? Okay. So um, it's against the rules at LinkedIn. You can get kicked off of both accounts. They can see your IP address. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's perfectly okay to go, oh, you're a catering manager and you have a food-related product. Or you're a catering manager and you have an automotive product. It doesn't matter. And you can put it in your profile too. You can say you know, you're a, a catering manager and you're a, a, a professional product developer as well. It's okay. It's totally okay to be who you are. And what's really interesting, and people ask this all the time, you know, I don't have a website. I don't have a company name. People don't know who I am. I really haven't, I haven't done this before. Does that make a difference? And I tell everybody, look, it's really quite simple. None of it makes a difference. What they care about is that if you're a professional, showing them something they can understand and show them something that fits in their product line, show them something that they're going to love. They don't care what you did yesterday, two weeks ago, a year ago. They don't care. They don't care what your education is. They don't care. They don't care if you don't English is your second language. They don't care. What they care about is you coming up with an idea, a product idea that their customers are going to love. Yeah, they, they, don't, they don't ask you for your portfolio what's your company who are you like if they see a good product they're interested you know so so i think some people steven they feel like they need this track history 
like I'm a successful inventor and I've done this, this, and this. You're only as good as the product. I think you've said this before, Stephen. You're only as good as the product you're showing right there. Now, what they do care about is how you act. You could be totally green to this, but you've got a good sell sheet, no long rambling email. You ask smart questions, you conduct yourself professionally. There's no difference between you and some inventor that's licensed 20 products. You're only as good as the product you're showing. But if you act unprofessionally, yes, that can hurt you, but not your not your track record, not important. Let's talk about the long rambling email for a minute. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we've seen, we, it's, it's, it's almost the norm, not the exception with a lot of inventors. I would Here, say- Here's what I get, and people need to realize that people are really busy, that if you craft it right, even if you're connecting with somebody, if you very quickly know what department they're in, what they're looking for, what their business is, and if you have a solution to something that the business that they're in, if you could say it very, very quickly, two, three lines, they, there's a very good chance they will connect with you. If you go long, and tell you guys, I've seen so I've seen emails so long that this person tells me, he gives me links, he tells me this, he tells me this, he tells, and he hasn't even said hi. Right? I don't read it because the first thing he, the first mistake he made, was that it's all about him. Yeah, it's all about him. He didn't recognize. He didn't really zero in on what I'm looking for, who, who I am, and make an introduction. He was always, he was all about him. I don't and really, really when you, after the, you know, yeah. really when you email them, it, it shouldn't be more than a couple sentences, guys, ever. Uh, um, I mean, I'll give you an example, you guys, real quick. Let's say you have a sustainable packaging solution, and that sustainable packaging solution is reducing plastic, let's say. And plastic's terrible. So let's say you're in the packaging, I'm in the packaging industry. That's why I'm gonna give this example. And I, I come up with packaging solutions that companies might want. So I find a department of the people that are in the sustainable packaging department. They all have it. And in fact, I might even go online to find the right words to know what the right departments are. Okay, so now I got the right department. I click and I see the guys, I see them in there, okay. And so I might send a note, say, hi, my name is Stephen King. I'm designing sustainable packaging solutions that reduce plastic, reduce the cost, and they're user-friendly. What I just did was talk that I have something you might want, that you, you I, I gave you, I supplied what your want is, is the same as my want, and I might have a solution. They know very quickly that, hey, I might, this guy might have something to talk to him. But if yeah. I go along with the link, everything else, you've lost them. That little paragraph is your one-line benefit statement. That little paragraph is your unique selling proposition. That little paragraph is going to say everything. And if you do that correct, if you don't do that right, they're not going to connect with you. Yeah, you, you just you just want to show you're thinking about them, not just yourself. You're not just trying to like force it down their throat. Another little thing you could say is, uh, I, I reviewed your product line on your website. And I believe this product would be a good match for your product line. Oh, as opposed to every inventor, this is the greatest thing. If we only get 1% of the market, we'll both make millions. You know, uh, never say That's that. A, you know, Andrew, I'll tell you, there's red flags. Yeah, yeah. I talked to an inventor the other day and I said, don't say that because he was saying that. And he's like, why? And I'm like, oh, God, okay, I'll explain. 
Um, All right. Don't, don't All I want to, right, so, I'm going to switch this topic in just a minute if I can, but read right. another question. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, this is probably a pretty simple, short one. Uh, Meshach said, how many LinkedIn connections should I have with a company before cold contacting them? Um, so I, I, don't, I, don't really, I, I don't really get the question. I think that some people, you know, if you have five contacts on LinkedIn, you're going to have a hard time total reaching out to companies. I think once you have 100 or 200, don't be stingy. You don't need to know these people. I know LinkedIn, LinkedIn says only add people you know. Like, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> like, Stephen probably doesn't know, and I probably don't know 99.5%. Wait, wait. I know, I know my 20,000 connections. You know I know all of them personally, people. don't you? In fact, I could go through their names right now. I know them all. Sure. <laughs> anyway, so don't be stingy with that. You don't have to like, don't add people you know or bad people or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't mind saying it. I love saying it. The only people I don't add in my LinkedIn are invention promotion companies because I don't like them because they're not good to inventors. Okay, and they're not. But if I see, they're not there anyway. They're not. Yeah. You, well, no. Sometimes they try to add me, and I'm like, I'm not. Nah, adding them. they're not there anyway. You guys, can I say one thing about LinkedIn before I get to this one topic, real quick? So, how many yeah. connections? Just make friends. Connect with me. My twenty thousand friends or your friends do that, you guys. But it's not a number count. Okay. Why is everybody so stingy with the likes? You mean on posts? Why are they so stingy that they won't comment? Why yeah. are people so stingy they won't celebrate someone else's success? Mm. Well, so you know, the, so let's tell, talk about the benefit of doing so. So when you reach out to a potential licensee and they're like, oh, this is interesting. Well, I'll check this guy out in his profile. And they see, they see your activity. They can look at your activity. And they see a bunch of positive comments. They see a bunch of positive likes on cool stuff. They're like, oh, this seems like a positive person. Because... Despite what you may think, if a company really likes your idea, but they think you're going to be a pain in the ass because you're like getting all political and making weird comments and stuff, you know, but it's the opposite. If you make some positive comments to stuff that's kind of in your industry, they're going to look at that and go, oh, this is somebody I want to work with. So that's a good reason not oh, to be standing with likes on posts and, and comments. And it's, it takes two seconds. When, it's really when I say people poking or, or or trolling a thing or they they're doing something that does not contribute to the conversation now realize you can have a different opinion that's perfectly fine and you can have a cordial conversation but when i see people get really forceful and loud and demanding and you, that's just a turnoff right and people do see that and 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 sometimes <coughs> it's not what you say it's what you don't say so just be aware of it that people are watching i'll give you an example Everybody out here on social media kind of knows who's participating and who's not. They can see it. I see it. You see it. Everybody sees it. The new director of the USBTO, she sees it. The companies are going to see it. What about when I'm a company? Uh, let's say Zuru Toys, Nick and Morbray. Guys, the guy's out there on social media. He runs a great toy company. He posts. And so let's say I'm a toy inventor and I want to get in to Zuru Toys. I want to get in. Why wouldn't I post what on Nick's stuff? Happy birthday. So happy birthday, Nick. He's talking about a cake. I say, great. Happy birthday, Nick. Or God, I love your product. Or wow, you guys are doing so great. Why wouldn't I help let him know I'm a positive person? I like your products. Get to know me. Now, I, I think I might know why some people aren't doing this. Some people, 
on some networks, Twitter, Facebook, they're sick of it. You know, but I'm going to make the case for a guy that hates all the BS on social media. That is not so much true on LinkedIn. I think it's very not true. So if you're like turned mm-hmm. off by all the negativity, nope. be a positive force. Be on mm-hmm. LinkedIn. It's for business. It's not for the weirdness. Is there occasionally weirdness? Yes. But for the most part, it's very businesslike. So do what Stephen's talking about. I think it's great advice. I, I don't know. If you want to be, if you really want to be opinionated and poke everybody, go to Twitter. They're they're really <laughs> really popular over there, people that. But but realize anybody you're going to work with is going to look at your profile, look at your yeah. activity, and see who in the hell you are. And I tell you, if you're one of those guys that's a pain in the rear end, they won't touch you with a 10-foot pole. Yeah, it's not like you need to make, you know, but if they look at your profile and they see zero activity, you know, it's kind of like it's really nice if you can show some activity. Right. So to get to back to Mishak, how many connections do you have with the company? It's, it's how many connections you have total because that gives you the ability to reach out to people. And, and when you say cold contacting, the approach we teach is you're going to make the connection. You're not going to you're not going to type anything and you're going to hope that they connect with you. And then later you're going to make a connection. Okay. Don't type something in when you try to make the connection. You're giving them work to do. Right. Um, I, I want to talk about patents. Oh, God. It's boring. Yes. Yes. Oh, no. I want to talk about patents. Okay. We, talk about patents. we always say we talk people talk about patents too much. So why do you want to talk about patents? Because I want to put it in perspective here. Okay, all right, that's good. I like that. Right, you have my approval. That is stamp okay. of approval. There you go. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> I hear, I hear all these things. I need a patent. I'm worried I'm not going to get a patent. Maybe patents aren't worthless. Maybe the system isn't good. I hear all this noise about patents. Yeah. And I want to tell everybody, look, you guys, it's really simple. Every company is going to be different. So. The best approach is to file a provisional patent application. Give people the option for either you or for them to file a non-provisional patent application if it is if it's important. But how do you know? You don't know, right? So what I want you to do is learn how to file a provisional patent application the right way. And there is a way that does not work. There is a right way to do this. And you're not going to hear this very many places. If you hear this from a patent attorney or a patent agent, they're always going to look at this from a legal perspective. They're going to help protect your invention in their mind. I want you to look at it a little bit differently. I want you to look at how to protect not only the invention, but the innovation Write it as a selling tool, a licensing tool, a raising money tool, if you want to venture, as just a tool. And if you do this correct, correctly, it's going to have value. I'm going to say it real quick, you guys. Here's the formula. I'm going to tell you this formula. It's very, very quick. When you write it, make sure you write it that a sixth grader could understand it. Nice. Write it in such a way that the problem is really obvious, that someone reads it, they understand your problem. You put them in that, pres- you, you actually created this and wrote it in such a way that they see themselves there. That, that's gonna help a lot of people, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. The solution, your invention, very, very simple, you guys. Your invention, state what it is, okay, right? In simple terms, I understand it. You've got a solution that I need. 
Okay. Simplicity. Always simplicity. Here's the other thing. If you know the best way to manufacture it, include it. Now, most stay, people don't, though. My God, you're okay. All right. Do you need it? No, you don't need it. But, but if you want to have value, learn a little bit about manufacturing. Now, how can you do that? I can watch a YouTube. I can, I can educate myself. Go to a manufacturing facility. I can actually find someone on LinkedIn, an ex-employee that knows exactly how to manufacture it, have them sign an NDA with work for hire language and get that information and put in my PPA. Okay, easy to do, have to do a little bit of digging. Sometimes you need it, sometimes you don't. Now here's the catch. Workarounds and variations, steal it from yourself. No one is gonna do that but you. How would someone get around it? How would someone design it differently to steal it? Okay, when you put that together, and then put a lot of drawings. Drawings are worth a thousand words. Drawings tell my story of how something looks and something feels and how to use it. Okay, what I just explained to you, problem, solution, manufacturing, workarounds, variations, and drawings, that's called transaction ready. You won't hear this, that's called transaction ready. You know what that is? That's having all the information when you give it to someone, they go, oh my God, they've done their good work. It overcomes three arguments if you write it this way. And the first argument is this, when a potential licensee says, why should we pay you? Isn't there some prior art or similar product, but you've done your homework. You know you pointed difference, you pointed it out. You've covered it in such a way with the workarounds, the variations, the manufacturing. They're looking at this going, God, this guy's done a good job, we should pay him. Number two, if you're trying to raise money, Right? And so it says, well, you know, why should we invest in you? If you do it this way, you give them confidence to invest in you. Okay. The second argument is going to overcome is that patent examiner when you go to a non-provisional patent application. If you add all these things together, I can guarantee you, if you have the right patent attorney, you will get a claim on something. I can guarantee it because you're adding all this information. Almost guaranteed. Third, oh, third argument is someone trying to steal it from you. If you put the manufacturing techniques and, that, and the workarounds and variations, it's gonna make someone think twice because not only have you protected the little invention, but you protected the innovation. That's much broader. Okay, so how do you find this information? Who's, who's telling you this, right? No one, no one, you can't have your patent attorney do this. It's gonna cost so much money, they'll never do this for you. Guess what? And they don't have that information. The information I just provide is doing it from a business perspective. The legal profession doesn't care if you're successful. That's not their job. Our job at InventRight, we need for you to be successful. So the information we're providing you is realistic business advice. So if you want to know more information about provisional patent applications, reach out to me, Stephen Key at inventright.com. I would love to have a conversation about that. You have to do it in such a way that it truly has value in the marketplace. Now, did I go long on that, Andrew? I'm really sorry. I had to well, get that out. I mean, yeah, I, who, who's, I just put it up here. Somebody said, I, I learned most when you guys go on a rant. <laughs> so I, I think people are liking it. Um, so I, I like what, because I know you've got to leave pretty soon, Stephen, because you have a class to teach coming up. Um, Kenya said, I often write emails, then go back and delete half of it. I love that. She's realizing, oh, well, I need to get my thoughts out. 
but mm, this is rambling. So we'll ramble or go on a rant here to educate people, but you don't want to do that when you're trying to license, you know, and, and write a long rambling email. So Kenya, I, I think that's fantastic. And, but and there are other inventors that aren't Kenya and they'll ramble. They go, oh, this is great. I gave them all the information. Well, you don't want to give them all the information. You here, here's a here's a difference when you're getting the information from us. Andrew and our community, we're inventors. We know what it's like. We've been through the process. We, we know what it takes. What we are telling you is from empathy of the problems. We understand it. And some of the people that give me advice are not inventors. Patent attorneys aren't inventors. They don't know what we're going through. They don't know our struggle. They don't know that whatever they do for us could determine if we're successful or not. And it's not their job. So what you have to realize, get the advice from people that have been through the struggle, that know the difficulty, that know your pain, and know where you want to go, that want to achieve your goals. Those are the people you need to listen to. Yeah. God, another rant again, Andrew, another rant. Oh, so I want to get your take. Yeah, no, it's great. I love it. People, I don't know, people are saying they like it. Uh, Morris says, I'm looking to license my temp ball feeder. How can you assist me? Consulting companies want, wow, that's, they're really going for the throat. They're 500000 I wonder <laughs> what companies he's approaching. Usually the invention promotion companies that help people license it. I've seen the patterns. They'll typically uh -oh. go for 10 to 15. There was a company that I could mention my name, but I won't because they got shut down by the Federal Trade Commission. They were going for 30, 40, 50,000. But the amount you're talking about, that's something's really weird there. I don't, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I've never heard that. That's a little bit out of the range I've ever heard. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, Morris, you know, what's great about licensing, man, is that. You don't need to start a business. You don't need to raise money. You don't need to hire employees. You don't need to create distribution that you don't have from scratch because retailers don't want to give it to you. You tap into all of that when you license to a big company, but you just need to be able to do the deal with that one big company or as Steven says, medium sized company, whatever it ends up being. Um, so, you know, uh, go, go to inventright.com, click on the contact us page, book a call with us. We'll tell you how we can assist you. Um, and you can I go on and to our services page and look it up a little bit more too. Oh, I love this. You guys, what do you got there? We could go, I could go on and on about patents and claims and what the USPTO is doing and what they're not doing, what patent attorneys are telling you and what they're not telling you. We could go on and on about the patent examiners and, and how they get points to reject stuff. I mean, this whole world is so confusing. I get it, I get it, but it's okay. If you have the right information, you can navigate all the stuff that you think is a roadblock. You know, what we're trying to do in InventRight is tear down the roadblocks. And go, no, 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 that's not the way to do it. I love Kansas City, by the way. You guys got a great group. And I just spoke to John over there, John Avocado, I guess it says. I love that guy. But the point is, you guys, don't worry about the roadblocks. You can navigate it, but you're going to have someone to hold your hand to navigate it. If not, you're driving blind. You know, Andrew, I, I like to tell everybody, look, if I'm on the West Coast and I know I've got to get to the East Coast, now I have two options. Can I just watch the sunrise and follow it? No, you don't do that. I have a map. I have food. I'm prepared. I know where I'm going to stay. I have a guide, maybe. I have a guide of Google Maps. Right. So realize this is such a wonderful, I know this too. I, I saw this, this question too. I love this whole industry. I don't care what anybody says. You can do this 
But please take a deep breath, educate yourself, and find someone to help guide you a little bit if you have never done this before. All right. So, yeah, I know we got to get going here in just a, about two minutes, Stephen. Um, so David wrote, I was told by the USPTO, the patent office, that claims are ignored in a provisional patent application. But some reputable patent attorney says, what's not in your specifications can't be written into your non-provisional. Attorneys love to beat up provisionals. They hate it. They hate the idea that inventors can get patent pending <laughs> status and protect themselves. For now, not $75, only $60. They reduce the fee. What's going down in price these days, right? It's amazing. And they I know, but why? I'm that's, sorry, that's, misinformation. That that is straight up misinformation. Know, let me tell you what's really great about the USB to reducing the fee. That fee, a ten dollar reduction or fifty dollar reduction, who cares? That's, <laughs> that's, like, weird. Be, I don't know. That, that's not where their expenses. <laughs> yeah, really, really. But but here's the thing, Stephen, uh, can you file a provisional and has A and B in it? And then you're like, oh, this looks like it's going to take off. File a non-provisional, cite the provisional, and put new information in the patent in the non-provisional. Can you? Yes, of course you can. Yeah. You know, but but there, but in, 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 attorneys, I don't think they. I think they provide you half the truth in order to get you to sign up. Oh. And and they oh. they want to overprotect you, but they would never give you an option. That provides ninety five percent of the percentage, one hundred percent, because that's what's going to get them the money. I, I don't. Right. Know. Okay, and we got to go. I got to teach a class in a couple minutes here. I know, like two. So, uh, guys, a few things. <clears throat> go to eventright.com. Click on the free resources. We got a ton of free resources there. Sign up for that. If you're interested in getting our help, click on contact us. Talk to us. You can also just go on the services page and check that out. Um, and. Make sure to check out Inventions for Sale. There's just a few of our students. I mean, that we just threw up. We got a lot more students than that. Um, and I don't know how many are up there, the licensed products, with products currently on the market. I don't know. The page goes on forever. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So check that out. Um, as Stephen says, that's social proof that what we do works. Um, yeah. People, A lot of people just talk. You guys can see the proof. Check out inventright.com. And we'll catch up with you guys next time. See ya. Thanks, Andrew. Bye.